Hello and welcome to the Project Football Podcast in association with Luke Williamson Art. Luke Williamson Art is a family-run business producing digital art prints of iconic and famous football grounds from yesteryear, running since 2017. In this episode, I catch up with the host of the Beat the First Man show, uh, Leeds United fan Reedy. He'll be giving his answers to the randomness that is 5 from 5, his chosen matches for 4 for you, and his Leeds squad for a trip year through time. Uh, to round things off, there'll be a Leeds-related poem. Okay, so here's some facts, stats, um, bits of information about Leeds United. Uh, they were founded in 1919. They play at Elland Road with a capacity of just short of 37,800. Uh, current manager is Marcelo Bielsa. Record scorer is Peter Lorimer with 238 in 698 appearances between 1962 and 1979. Record appearance holder is Jack Charlton with 773 between 1952 and 1973. Uh, the record Football League win was 8-0 versus Leicester City in the old Division 1 in April 1934. A record Premier League win. Um, the, the biggest winning margin they've had has been by five clear goals. Uh, they've done 5-0 against Spurs at home in 92-93, Swindon away 93-94, uh, Derby County away 97-98, uh, West Brom away in the 2021 season. Uh, they've also had 6-1 a couple of times uh, in the 2000-2001 season at home to Bradford and in the 0203 season against Charlton Athletic. The biggest win they've had in the FA Cup was 8-1 against Crystal Palace in the third round in January 1930. Record League Cup win was 6-0 against Leicester in the third round in October 2001. Uh, biggest European win was 10-0 versus Lynn Oslo in the European Cup first round first leg in September 1969. The record transfer fee paid was 29 million to Valencia for Rodrigo in August 2020. And the highest received was 32.5 million from Man United for Rio Ferdinand in 2002. Uh, they only received 30.8 million of that due to a reduced settlement uh, to stave off administration, apparently. Uh, Titles-wise, they've won the league three times in 1969, 1974 and 1992. Uh, they've been runners-up in 65, 66, 70, 71 and 72. Uh, second tier of champions in 1924, 1964, 1990 and 2020. Runners-up in 1928, 1932 and 1956. Uh, they've been playoff runners-up in 1987 and also 2006. They were runners-up in the third tier of League One, as we now know it, in the 2009-2010 season. And playoff runners-up in 2007 and 2008. Uh, they've won the FA Cup once in 1972-1972 and been runners-up in 1965, 1970 and 1973. 
Uh, they've won the League Cup in 1968, um, were runners-up in 1996, won the Charity or Community Shield, uh, whichever way you want to call it, in 1969 and 1992. Uh, they were runners-up in 1974. Uh, they've been runners-up in the European Cup or Champions League in 1975, uh, in the UEFA Cup, runners-up again in 1973. Uh, they won the Intercities Fairs Cup in 1968-1971 and they were also runners-up in 1967. Uh, five famous Leeds fans, uh, we've got Kelly Jones of the Stereophonics, uh, the Brownlee brothers, who are Olympic medalists for Team GB, I'll put them as, as one, uh, Ricky Wilson from one of the Kaiser Chiefs, uh, actor Russell Crowe and member of Def Leppard Vivian Campbell. Players that have had uh, a foot in both camps, so in playing for Leeds and playing for my team, West Brom, we've got uh, Scott Carson, Kyle Bartley, Johnny Giles, Jake Livermore and Tyler Roberts. Also, uh, staff-wise, there was John Carver, I think took care uh, caretaker at Leeds at some point. And for West Brom, he was assistant to uh, Alan Pardew. So here's Reedy and myself in conversation. Time for kickoff. Okay, um, this time for the Project Football Podcast, it is my pleasure to introduce the host of Beat the First Man, uh, which you can find on YouTube, uh, host of that and Leeds fan, Reedy. Welcome. How are you doing? Oh, very well, Mark. Uh, how are you? And thank you so much for having me on. Right. Pleasure to be on someone else's show for a change. I was going to say, you've, uh, you've, you're on the side of the mic now, aren't you? Yeah, I feel, I feel under pressure. Uh, there's no pressure on this, trust me. <laughs> so. As I mentioned in the sort of intro, um, you do a show called Beat the First Man, uh, which is on YouTube. Um, how did that sort of come about? What was the idea behind it? So it started off, it was it was during the first lockdown and uh, I was on holiday with and my youngest son and we were talking about YouTubers and football stuff. And I went, oh, I could do that. I mean, yeah, it's a doddle. And uh, before you know it, I'd sort of recorded my first one, which was me and an iPad. Um, just talking to it and and it and I, I didn't want to be one that just reviewed the weekend's matches because there's there's so many of those out there and so many guys who could do that a lot better than I could so I just decided to make it a bit different and a bit quirky um, and then it kind of developed from there where I started getting musical guests on to talk about their music and their love of football and and I describe it as like a, um, a sort of Z-list soccer AM. I think that's the way it's the best I can I can put it. It's not quite as funny as soccer AM and we don't have quite the big guests that soccer AM have, but it's that kind of idea. I was going to say, some of the guests you've had on, I'd say they'd probably take that over soccer AM, to be fair. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's, that's what we want. We want someone that I've had on my show to end up on soccer AM. That's the ultimate progression. The There's a couple that are really close now, I think. Any any names you want to mention, or do you want to keep that a secret for? No, I think it's no. I think Apollo Junction. They're going to be. They'll be very very close to getting on there. Ben from Apollo Junction came on right back in the early stages that I was doing the show, and the guys from Dictator. I mean, yes. they're really pushing to get on there. So I think they they're gonna they'll be on there at some stage. They're, they're pushing hard, and I think they'll uh, they'll get their wish at some stage. Yeah, I think um, whenever you see like people who are sort of the champions of new music on Twitter, like. Um, Sam Shiner and all that sort of group. Those two names are two that are always mentioned in ones that are going to 
you know, breakthrough. Yeah. And and, and both both sets, really good lads as well. Really yeah. down to earth lads. So it's, it's like with it's, the uh, is it the Lathams have done it as well recently, haven't they? They sort of pushed on from being they've basically got promoted, haven't they? Yeah, massively. And and yeah, I've been trying hard to get them on, but without any success so far. <laughs> Who knows one day? Maybe they'll go from soccer AM to your show. You never know. It's the ultimate step down. <laughs> That's it. Um so with that, as I say, you decided to go to to YouTube. How have you found that as opposed to sort of like doing a podcast with it just be, with it being video rather than just audio? Um you feel a little bit of pressure because obviously you're you're a bit wary of your surroundings and, and things like that. And I've self-taught myself everything. I've never done anything like this in my life. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to plug a mic in. I, you know, it was really just all from scratch. But to be fair, everyone that's ever come on the show has been brilliant. Anyone on Twitter or social or YouTube that you ask for help, absolutely brilliant. It's just, you know, they're the two best social media platforms as long as you're not talking about football. Yeah. The minute you start talking about football, then they're cesspits. <laughs> and so I can say the same. I mean, I've not been afraid to ask people for help um, with regards to feedback on mine. And uh, I think the one that's been a great help is, uh, is James from the Oasis podcast. Yeah. He's uh, it, been brilliant in the knowledge that he's given to us. So they're the sort of people that you can lean on. Yeah. To help you progress. Like, um, I don't know about the YouTube side of things. Um, YouTube's great and and I think the thing with YouTube is is all other YouTubers seem to want to help you and again there's, there's it doesn't seem to be like a competition nobody's bothered if everybody gets loads of hits it's just you know you, you all seem to be in it to try and help each other out I mean don't you I don't think I'll be stepping into a boxing ring anytime soon as a, as a boxing YouTuber I think <laughs> I might give that a bit of miss but um but no in terms of help that everyone's been great to be honest so you don't fancy taking on Floyd Mayweather anytime soon I might give that one a skip <laughs> <laughs> you never know yeah, yeah. if you were the one to beat him how big a coup would that be I, I, I could just spend a round running away from him that's it if you can survive one round against Mayweather happy days job done that's it <laughs> um, how are your sort of plans for the, the future on, on the show like if you you just stick into how you're doing it because you've got like um, what features have you got now you've got the little knob of the week yeah uh, you've got Ted as well as your sidekick yeah um, what else is there now if I remember from the last one I saw there's the picture of the was it how old yeah you got how old was the, the old footballer and you got to guess yeah. the age yeah because I saw, I think I remember seeing Steve Linex on yes, one that you did Steve Linex was on there yeah who actually used to work as a security guard at the uh, one of the shops it was a BHS so that shows how long ago it was at our local <laughs> shopping centre <laughs> yeah. yeah well this week's is a, this week's how old's a beauty it's, it's, a, it's a real good one yeah I'll bring it, we'll keep an eye out for that yeah um <laughs> any other features you've got sort of in the the works or are you just going to stick with it as it's no well, i mean we just we just kicked off the uh the crap kit cup last week so that was the we had the first tie of the first round last week so that will run now for probably about the next 15 to 20 weeks in reality so i'm just doing one tie a week so yeah um, but it might sort of progress. I think it might end up becoming more of a just me and a guests on the show. We're just a little bit plugged either side because, to be honest with you, it's it's that bit for me is much more fun. Interacting with people is just much more fun. So that might be the the route that will go down near the end. We'll drop a lot of the features and it'll just be a, a kind of uh, sort of one to one podcasting. Yeah, I suppose doing it that way, there's less onus on you then, isn't there? Because you've you know given other people chance to. To speak 
yeah and it's easy because you you can bounce off people and it just it just makes life easier and i don't have to keep trying to come up with uh with witty lines and uh and stuff like that because it's it's hard going i'm no comedian i was gonna say you, you can always get ted to write the comedy can't you well, i could do yeah <laughs> he's about somewhere i don't know where is he he is. <laughs> <laughs> i did wonder if he was going to make an appearance tonight <laughs> so um oh i think we've, we've sort of covered that side of things now as to what you what you do aside from the football um so a leeds fan and yes. if i recall you you're from scotland yes yeah, so i was born in paisley yeah uh, I moved down to Oxford when my dad moved down there with work. And um, I was, my dad was a massive St Mirren fan. Okay. So I'd been to probably two or three St Mirren games with him as a, as a young child. But I got down to England and of course I was in a school with loads of kids who supported English teams. And one of the lads said, who's your English team? And I went, well, I ain't got one. And he said, well, I'll give you an English team support tomorrow. I said, okay. So, you know, as a young kid, you go along with that. You want to fit in and, you know, you're a bit of an outsider. And he came in with a lead scarf and he gave me a lead scarf. He said, there you go, you support them. I went, all right, no, I do. And uh, that was at the age of, that was the age of six because it was the year they got relegated from the top flights. I think it was 78, 79 that we got relegated or 77, 78. Um, and that was it. I've stuck with them since then through thick and mainly thin. Um, That's a bit of a life sentence then, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much it has been. It's had its ups. It's had, it's had some glorious ups, but it's had an awful lot of downs as well, to be fair. I was going to say, as an Albion fan for over 30 years, I know what a life sentence can be when it comes to <laughs> following a football team. Uh, and again, mostly downs for us, especially in recent years. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, I say it's a bit of a different way like you say you know there's a lad from school just say they are this is who you're going to support rather than i mean the majority of people that first game they get taken to see you know whoever yeah and they choose one of those teams or it's passed down from the dad yeah that sort of thing so it's uh, that's that's definitely a, a different a different way to uh, to get your team yeah, and the two lads, I mean, they they had no choice. They were automatically Leeds fans the minute they came along and they they kind of stuck with it. And uh, but uh, yeah, I mean I keep a I still keep an eye on St. Mirror and I've still got a little bit of affiliation for them, but Leeds yeah. are a, a team in reality. I was gonna say to say you were born north of the border, you you obviously not brought the accent with you. No, I was I was very young. I mean, I was only six when I moved down, and I'm yeah. sadly just started with a five now, so that's, uh, it's an awful lot of years in England to have any sort of Scottish accent left. I was going to say, I'm not far from moving into another decade myself. <laughs> 20s, obviously. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> well, it goes without saying. I was going to say, it's been that for the last few years, to be honest. But... <laughs> uh, so um, that's covered sort of why you support who you do now for a bit of uh, randomness, which is hopefully going to go according to plan. Um, I think as explained just before, we started recording. Um, this is the five from five. Yeah. So I've got five blocks of 10 questions. Uh, so I just pick a number from one to 10 for each one. Um, each of the answers are going to be for it's Leeds players past or present for it. So um, over to you now. First, uh, first number. Right, we'll go number three. Okay. Uh, Right, this is more of a present because of how the, the question's worded. Uh, which current player could you see as a future manager? Uh, it's got to be Stuart Dallas. I think he can do everything else. He does everything else. 
I think it's just inevitable that he will end up going into coaching and management and he'll probably be really good at that as well. Just he's just I bet he was good at snooker at school, at golf. I bet he's he's just one of those people who you just sense will be good at absolutely everything. So that Stuart Dallas, one hundred percent. Would you like to see him in the dugout at Ellen Road at any point? I love him. I love Stewie and uh, I think he's, he would definitely, the only thing I wouldn't like is if it went wrong and I'm not sure yeah. I can cope with people turning on him. I was going to say that, that's happened to us uh, in the last few years, obviously with Darren Moore. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, the same with Chelsea, wasn't it? With the uh, Lampard? Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, that's the only thing where ex-players who were heroes coming back is just... You just don't want it to happen sometimes. I'm yeah. always glad that Stracker never came to managers because it you just wouldn't have ended well and it would have been horrible to tarnish what he did as a player. That's it. Just leave what he did on the pitch rather than in the dugout. Definitely. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, next one. Uh, oh, let's go number seven. Number seven. Ah, easy enough. Who's your favourite manager? Oh, that's not easy. That's so not easy. <laughs> um... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Howard Wilkinson, okay. only because he gave me the ultimate. He, he, we won the top flight under him. Yeah. When we get on to the uh, the picking the team and the the years later, it will be slightly different when I'll talk about who's going to be manager. But I, I've got to say Wilco because he gave me just the greatest moment I could ever have. You know, to win the top flight in my lifetime, I could never see it happening. So I'll go Wilco. So at least you've had a a few promotions as well. Since then, you're in, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, but I mean, Simon Grayson's close because he got us out of League One and one at Old Trafford all in the same season, so that's pretty close. But I'd, I'd have to go Wilco, I think, you know, what he did was that in the FA Cup, that one, yes, was that race the, the Man United one, yeah, it was uh, Beckford scored, I think that's it, yeah, yeah, so that's the one I'm thinking of, okay, yeah, that's a, obviously something that you guys love happening because it's the War of the Roses, isn't it? Yes, well, we've, late, got them, so. we've got them again in a couple of weeks' time, and we've not we've not done them since we come back up. No. And it's the first time at Ellen Road with a full house that we'll have played them for eighteen years. So it's it, um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's fair to say. Because yeah, didn't you have them? Was it last season first game? Uh, it, this season we had the this... first game. They've done us five one. Ah, okay. Sorry to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> anyway, um, right. Question well, question number three, what's your what's your choice? Let's go number four. Number four. Uh, okay. Uh, what four players would you choose to have a night out stroke night in with? Oh. Okay, let's go. I'll go with... I'm going to go with Lee Chapman because I'd ask him about the rumours about Cantona. Okay. I'll go Rod Wallace because Lee Chapman can't go anywhere without Rod Wallace. The two, <laughs> just, the two go together. So they're there. Uh, I'd go Lucas Radaby because I just think he's got an amazing backstory and it would just be fascinating to hear from him. And I'd have to go for the wee man, Gordon Strachan, just because, you know, to play as long as he did at the level he did. And he's brilliant. And when you see him on the TV, his dryness and his yeah. wit, he's just so good. I just think he'd be a cracking on the night out as well. So. so I bet he's got some stories, hasn't he? Oh, 100%. <laughs> but you can imagine it'd be Radderby and Strachan, because obviously you've got the little and large thing going on. 
Yeah. Strachan squaring up to Lucas at the end of the night. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? There's <laughs> like, a three-foot height difference or something like that. It's like, behave. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Right. Uh, fourth choice. Let's go number one. Number one. Okay, an interesting one. Who would you support if your club didn't exist? And oh. I think I know the answer to... Well, I think I might know the answer to this one, given what you've said previously, but it might be Yeah, different. well, I mean, I'd, I would I would automatically go back towards St Mirren because they're obviously my kind of, uh, you know, they're my go-to Scottish team. But if, I, if you pushed me to go with an English team, I'd probably go Oxford because I lived in Oxford for a lot of times. So I watched a lot of Oxford games growing up just because they were the nearest big yeah. team, if you like. Um, and I've got a lot of mates who support Oxford, so I'd, prob- I'd probably go Oxford if I was pushed to have a, another English team. Okay, oh, that's fair enough. Right, fifth one of these then. Let's go number five. Number five. Okay, um, if you owned Leeds United, what would be the first thing you'd change? Uh, the beer in the concourse, is that allowed <laughs> to be? Is that too obvious? <laughs> it, it's a thing, isn't it? <laughs> um uh, well, they're doing it anyway, but I'd, I'd redevelop the ground and make it bigger because it's just it's too many people missing out on watching matches at the moment because yeah. it's just sell out week in, week out. So yeah, the redevelopment of the ground would be the big thing. But uh, that would be the first thing, I think, if I had the money that I would try and do, definitely. A bit of a, a restructure of Ellen Road. Yeah, keep, keep the same ground, but just make it bigger. Yeah. Well, in that case, when you're building it, if you had to close the ground, where would you play in the meantime? Oh, God. Oh, there's a question. I don't know. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't got the Etihad. Let's go to Man City just to wind Man United up. I was going to say, you wouldn't want to go to Old Trafford, would you? Absolutely not. <laughs> so if you did, you'd probably end up tearing the seats up, wouldn't you? You'd be like, there you go. You can, you can fix the strip for then now. We've done that bit for you. Wouldn't be quite how we left, how we found it. Uh, no, I, I, I dare say it wouldn't be. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that has concluded five from five. Yeah. So that was relatively painless for you, I hope. Yeah, no, it was good. Like that. Okay, okay. Right. Next bit, four for you. So for anyone who hasn't heard this yet, uh, Reedy has picked five matches across the history of football, could be from any era, and he's chosen the player that he would want to be in that particular match to experience it from. Yeah. So what's your first one? Right, we've met, we've briefly touched on it already. Uh, 2010, 3rd of January, Jermaine Beckford um, at Old Trafford to score the winner as a League One club at Old Trafford for Leeds United. Just the stuff that dreams would be made of. Um, you know, we went up there, nobody gave us a chance uh, to go up there and beat them 1-0. People forget we were two divisions below them at the time, but to go up there and beat them 1-0 on their own patch with a strong side they had out as well uh, was just amazing everything you could dream of and uh yeah so Jermaine Beckford definitely first choice of, of a game yeah did you go to that one or uh no sadly not I had a um a young child at the time so ah. I was forced to stay home and watch it on the telly I but know. uh kids getting uh, in the way eh? uh well you know damn them <laughs> that's it um what was the that the goal like I can't, I can't remember to be honest. I know he scored it, it a long there. ball over Johnny House and long ball over the top of Gary Neville Gary Neville, who was in this sort of dying years of his career, just couldn't catch Beckford. Beckford just went past him like he wasn't even there. And he just slid it past uh, Kushak, who was in goal. Oh, I remember, yeah. yeah. Tommy Kushak, the polling goal, kept That's us it. up pretty much almost single-handedly. And the ball rolled literally 
ag so slowly i can see it now rolling towards the line and you just half expected someone to come in and whip it off the line but it just never happened and it just trickled in that corner at the stratford end as well just to make it even more beautiful it's like that goal um i can't remember if it was the northern irish league or the irish league but the, the strikers put it past the keeper and it's got stuck in the mud <laughs> And then his mates come in and just booed it in from like an inch out. And he, the guy's already run off celebrating. You, you might well have seen it. Um, but yeah, then his mates come and it's like, yeah, that's my goal. Thank you very much. So you say about Neville and uh, in his sort of latter years, he struggled to keep up with Graham Dorans, let alone Jermaine Beckford. <laughs> yeah, he was a great fullback, but his last, he probably went on a year too long at least. Yeah, he could have converted to centre half, just, you know, yeah. lacking in height a little bit possibly for that. But yeah, there you go. Didn't stop Georgie Campos playing in goal for Mexico. No, good point. Uh, <laughs> what a keeper he was. I know, great kits as well. <laughs> now, three sizes too big for him, but the kits were, yeah, you'd see him coming in a dark Stand out. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> Right, um, match number two. Right, so I'm going for a, uh, a Scotland international. I'm going back to October 1977, uh, being played at Anfield, Scotland against Wales. Uh, Scotland needing a win to qualify for the Argentina World Cup. Uh, a cross from Martin Buckham and a Kenny Dalgleish header, which is just one of the most beautiful headers you will ever see. Um, to make it, which actually made it 2 0. It's a shame it wasn't 1 0 and that was the winning goal because it's just yeah. such a. If you've not seen it, obviously, YouTube, it's a beautiful header. Um, and behind the goal, it was scored at the cop end from memory. Behind the goal, you just see that surge of the 70s as people pile down from the back of the stand. And it's just everything you, you love about football in that one glorious sort of moment. Um, but uh, yeah, so Kenny Dalglish against Wales, October 1977. You said that, that surge of fans, like sort of like what you get at gigs when the main act comes on, you just see everyone just charge towards the very, fans. very much like that. <laughs> and the ironic thing is, the, the Welsh FA moved it because it was they were going to play at Ninian Park, yeah. And the Welsh FA moved it to Anfield because they wanted to get bigger gate receipts, and actually it backfired massively because obviously the Scotland fans just managed to get all the tickets left, right, and centre. And the ground was over half full of Scotland fans, and it just backfired on them hugely. So, um, I've seen Wales at Anfield when they were building the Millennium. Yeah, um, it was against. I'm trying to think now. Could have been Italy, I think, for a, a qualifier possibly. Um, yeah, that's that going back a few years now. That's, uh, but yeah, definitely, it's uh, worth you just for the header alone. It's it's, it's a beautiful watch. I think so. Dalglish is one of those that I don't think whatever he does. He'll just be kept in high regard, yeah, for, for Scottish but fans forever. Class act, absolute class act. Never, we won't. Have, well, I won't ever see another Scotsman like him in, in my lifetime. I don't think. Yeah, so that was to go to the '78 World Cup. Um, yeah, was that the World Cup where Archie Gemmell scored the? Yes, that yeah, famous the goal famous, was against uh, the Netherlands. Against the Netherlands, yeah. So features in a features in train spotting as well, no less. Yes, yes, it does. Martin Buchan. Good running by Bucken, read it well. There's Kenny Douglas in there. Oh, what a goal! Oh, yes! That does it! Third one. Uh, third one, back to Leeds. Um, August 95, 
a Monday night against Liverpool, nil-nil, three minutes to go, and uh, a certain Mr. Yeboa, Thunder Bastards are striking from <laughs> 35 yards. There's no other way of putting it. I'm sorry if I wasn't supposed to say that word, but there's no, it's no, all right. other, there's no other way of describing it. He just absolutely twats it harder than I've ever seen anybody hit a football in my life. And uh, the fact that it hits the bar and bounces down and then up into the roof of the net actually makes it even better. So that's one of those where, to use the phrase that the commentators say, it stayed hit, didn't it? Oh, it was just, I mean, I was behind that goal. And when he hit it, you, you just, there wasn't, by the time he hit it and by the time it hit the net, you actually hadn't realised what he'd done because it was so, it travelled so fast to the goal. It was just incredible. And it's only when you see it afterwards, you know, when you look a couple of days out, you're like, oh my God, what have I, what have I just witnessed? It, we'd just never seen anything like it. The Tony, Tony Yaboa, he only scored good goals, to be fair. He didn't score many crap ones. The other one you see, or the other drive scene of his um, against Wimbledon, I think yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's what a couple, is it a couple of touches and then he's just yeah. smacked it and yeah, keepers don't stand any chance when he gets his foot behind it, to be fair. He was uh, he was a, a much-loved strand. It was just a shame because George Graham came in and he just wasn't a George Graham player. Yeah. He was never going to run about and chase people down. He just stood around 30 yards out. When that ball came in within 30 yards of goal, he came to life. I was going to say, imagine what he'd be able to do with how light the footballs are now. Oh. He'd be standing on the, the halfway line, wouldn't he? Just like, yeah, pot shots, whatever. It'd be ridiculous. So. Redknapp shows he's recovered by climbing well into that header. Dorigo towards Wallace, back here. And there's the strike! Wonderful goal! Wonderful, Yabar! Right, number four. Uh, sticking with Leeds, but we're going right back before I was born. Uh, May 1970, Eddie Gray against Burnley. Um, again, another one worth YouTubing. It, it actually prompted the quote from Don Revy, who said, when Eddie Gray walks on snow, he doesn't leave footprints. Because it, just the way he dances through Burnley defenders and then finishes with absolute aplomb. Um, and he still gets abused at Burnley to this day when he goes for radio commentary because of that goal, because he literally took the pee. I mean, it was just, it's incredible. Brilliant, brilliant goal. And if it was scored in this era, you'd, you'd be seeing it every other week. So it's not what I'm familiar with, in all honesty, because I say I wasn't born for another 12 years at that point. <laughs> um, but so it's definitely one to, to look yeah, up. Yeah, definitely and... one worth finding, it's it's a... <laughs> Eddie Gray managed you as well, didn't he? I think. Yeah, he managed, yeah. played for us for a long, long time, but managed as well and always did well. I mean, there's a bit of a, a sort of standing joke about Eddie Gray and the kids because anytime he came in as caretaker, he always threw two or three kids in um, just to try and get a bit of a reaction. Um, and he still does a lot of work for um, radio commentary, still up there. I met him once when my lad was mascot away at Bolton. Yeah. And I met him. He's just the nicest man you could ever wish to meet as well. So it's um, that just compounded it. He, he, he was my hero and and he was a nice bloke. It was just perfect. So that's always a bonus, isn't it? And uh, yeah. you, you say about Burnley, I, I may have all mentioned this one on, on previous episodes, but I went up there, I can't remember what it was, maybe the start of the 2008-9 season, maybe. We had them, Albion were playing up their first game and... I'd gone up on the coach, got me colours on, stepped off the bus. Copper goes, you here for the football? And I just thought, I'm not here to go bloody shopping, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Gray. 
Oh, good footwork by Gray. Still going. Anyway, right, so that's four done. Yeah. What's your, what's your last one for this? This, this is one where I upset all your English listeners, so I'm really sorry. But as a Scotsman, the dream is to score a winner against England at Wembley. That is, that you know, that we're not. I'm not going to butter it up and say that we don't really want to beat you all the time. And uh, uh, absolute cobblers. The dream is to score the winner at Wembley against England. And in 1981, this man, John Robertson, had the joy of doing it when he scored from the penalty spot in a 1-0 win. Um, and it was actually a game where Scotland fans were banned from Wembley. They'd been trouble with the year, the time before at Wembley, so they'd banned Scotland fans. Um, but 40,000 of them managed to get inside Wembley. Just um, a few. Because <laughs> that was in the old days when they just filled the whole ground and just took over for the weekend. But uh, but yeah, so it'd have to be not a particularly great goal, not a particularly, you know, as a penalty kick. It was not even a great game from what I've read about it. But... To, to have that in on your CV as a Scotsman, it's 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 what you dream of. I was going to say it, it, he's never going to have to buy uh, buy a pint again, is he? If he does that, no, absolutely not. <laughs> that's just the way it is. But it's, then you know, don't, I don't butter it up. It's just that's just the way it is. But then you fast forward fifteen years later in the Euros, and then you've got Gazaris playing in Scotland at the time. Uh, yeah, does what he does. And it's just like yeah, you might want to keep your head down for a little bit after doing that. <laughs> And that was just one of those. That was one of those moments. I mean, obviously, the the thing about that goal is, literally, sixty seconds earlier, McAllister's missed the penalty. Yes. So, as a lead, as a Leeds fan, I was devastated because a we'd missed the penalty to make it one all, and b it was McAllister that missed it. And of course, I haven't even got time to be devastated. And suddenly, we're two 0 down with an absolute incredible goal that you know was just out of this world. I mean, he was the only player on that pitch that could have done it. Oh, without question. That's it. You, you've got your head in your hands from the McAllister miss. The next thing you look up and it's like, oh shit, Gaz has just scored. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, well, exactly that. Back to the drawing board, are eh? <laughs> you? <laughs> the ball played through by Davy Proven. Archibald got goal side of the defender. Robson made contact, did he? The referee said yes. England are complaining. Peter Whip, I think, has been booked. And Francis has gone to Corrigan to tell him which side Robertson normally puts his penalties. Look at that. That's a Nottingham Forest player giving the goalkeeper advice about how to react when Robertson shoots. A goal for Scotland. Francis was wrong. Corrigan was wrong. Robertson scores. Oh, brilliant. So, uh, yes, that's Scotland and Leeds uh, yeah. combination there. Actually met uh, one of our old players who played for Scotland, and he might be a name you're familiar with, uh, Willie Johnston. Yes, yeah, yeah. Famously got sent home from Argentina after a uh, a dodgy hay fever tablet. Yes, and didn't he? I don't know if it was the World Cup or it was just a Scotland game. He went to boot the ref up the arse. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, yeah. great winger for us, but again, not one I was uh, fortunate to see in the flesh. But from the stories I've heard off my dad, uh, he was he was class. Yeah, I, that, I, I, I mean, I remember I would have been about seven or eight when he was sort of playing, but from. Yeah, the bits you can remember, the bits I've seen of highlights, he's just, yeah. I think his off-field antics held him back slightly. Possibly. And the fact that he played for West Brom, but yeah. <laughs> Potentially held him back, shall we say. <laughs> if you're looking for a football quiz book with over 700 questions, as well as chapters on football in lockdown and the Diary of a Memorabilia Collector, then look no further than Football for Brains 21 by Stephen End. 
a donation from the sale of each book goes to the Scores Project, which looks into the link between dementia and footballers and football-related head injuries. <laughs> all right, so we've done four for you. We've done the five from five. So all that leaves us with now is your Leeds team for the uh, the trip here through time. Now, you, I know we've had a few messages back and forth that you've you've put quite a bit of thought into this because... It's been brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, I'll say the good thing about it. It just makes it interesting, the fact that you're limited to the players you know, two for a decade. So again, I'll explain this one for anyone who's new to this. Uh, so Reed has picked his leads, 11 and subs uh, with a manager and assistant, if you if you so choose. Um, between the six players from the 60s to this decade, but you can only have two at the most from any particular decade. So that's the sort of the, the curveball. Um, I mean, do you want me to go through my leads one? First and yeah, go for it. So, Let's see how many match up. All right. So, well, well, we'll save that till afterwards. I'll just see yeah, what okay. you think. I've gone for a standard four four two. Yeah. Um, I've got Nigel Martin in goal. Yeah. Because I, I one of my favourite keepers. I just think he's class. Uh, that was in the two thousands. Uh, back four. I've got Ailing at right back from this decade. Uh, centre backs of Charlton from the sixties, who was the captain as well. And a chap who's already been mentioned, uh, big Lucas Radaby. Yeah. And with him, he could also uh, go in goal if needs be. He could, yes. Yeah. So there. Uh, left back, a term you've used earlier, thunder bastard of a left foot, Ian Hart. Yeah. Uh, across the middle, I've got Lorimer from the 70s right wing. Uh, another one that's been mentioned already, Eddie Gray, left wing. Centre mids, uh, they're both from the 70s. Speed from the 80s in the middle with Phillips from this decade. Yeah. And then up top, another one has been mentioned, uh, Tony Yeboah from the 90s. And then Lee Sharp. No, not Lee Sharp, sorry. Uh, Graham Sharp from the 2010s. Is it Graham Sharp? No. I've just got Sharp 10s. Billy no, Sharp. Billy Sharp, yes. That's that's the one. I, again, I should have probably written the first name down just to save any confusion. <laughs> but you say that Lee Sharp did play for you, didn't he? He did play for us, yeah. Uh, Ladders from Round our way. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he turned out for us. Let's put it like that. Oh, okay, yeah. When he wasn't in, <laughs> when he wasn't on the physios table. No, exactly. <laughs> and in charge of that, maybe a bit controversial on this one, but just for shits and gigs, Clough as manager, Revy as the assistant. <laughs> Uh, that, that'd yeah. be interesting yeah, yeah wouldn't it just but <laughs> so, well, I've, I've done a bench as well so I've got Bremner Lukic Strachan Cantona Viduka uh, Liam Cooper and Patrick Bamford right okay so, we've got a few that match up okay yeah well, there, there so, was a few that match up so as someone who's been watching Leeds for a, you know, a number of years now what, what, what do you think of that one uh, I think that I think your striker's lucky to get in Okay. You'll see why. <laughs> Again, I've not got the affiliation that you have, so I'm just no, sort of going by what I know. To be fair, I love Billy Sharp, but he got a bit of, he was a bit unfortunate because he never really got a run alongside someone else up front, which is what he needed. Yeah. He always get left playing up front on his own, which is wasn't his game really. So uh, I did I did feel for him. It'd been interesting to see if he played as part of a two. Would have been very interesting. 
I say him and your bowler up front, so you've got the poacher and you've got the you know the speculative long range efforts as well. So yeah, no, that's all right. Okay, right. Forget mine now. Right. Let, let's have yours. What we're going for? This was the most brutal fit. It took. It's taken me at least probably two weeks because I was just battling with myself about players that I was leaving out. So in goal, I've gone the same as you, Nigel Martin from the two thousands. Uh, unbelievable goalkeeper. So so good for us and. So unfortunate not to get more England caps with the yeah. fact that he was around at the same time as Seaman. Um, but as a, as a shot stopper, incredible, incredible goalkeeper. Yeah, so I've seen him play for yourselves, Everton, uh, Palace, and I've always rated him, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, there's a game against Roma when it was UEFA Cup and we drew nil-nil over there. And he was... Absolutely unbelievable. He literally must have made 10 to 15 incredible saves in one night. And you could see the Italians by the end of it were just like, what is the point? We're just yeah. we're not going to score. So what is the point in even carrying on? Almost like having a brick wall in the goal instead of a keeper. Oh, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, so Nigel Martin from the 2000s. Could have used the 90s, but I've used the 2000s. I'm going to say, you can be tactical with the conics if he spans two different decades. You can sort of nudge them. Into another one if you want to accommodate. I had to do that on some. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. So I've also gone 4 4 2. So right back, I've gone Gary Kelly and I've gone 1990s. Um, your shout was a good shout, Luke Ayling. Ayling's been brilliant for us, a man that cost us 250 grand um, and was told by Lee Johnson at Bristol City he wasn't good enough. Um, he's been fantastic for us. But Gary Kelly played over 500 games. One club man, um, started out as a striker, actually got converted by Wilkinson to a right back and ended up being yeah, one, probably one of the best right backs the club's ever had. Um, I've had to use the 1990s for that one to uh, to get him in. But uh, yeah, but Gary Kelly for me, right back. That's not, not a bad shout to be fair. Is it? uh, so when you think of Lee's defenders, I, mean, I suppose anyone of a certain age, that's probably one of the first names that comes to, comes to mind, yeah, isn't it, from I, that sort of era? I think his loyalty as well. I think, you know, his loyalty was incredible. It had been very easy for him to go at one stage and he, and he stayed right to the very death. Yeah, so it's very rare, especially nowadays with the money that gets thrown around, that you get a one-club player. Yeah, definitely. I've got, I've actually got a few one-club players in here, which is oh, okay. just incredible. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see if you could do that from like, the, the 1 to 11. God, that'd be hard. <laughs> so, yeah, that'd be an interesting one to do. So, so left back, I've had to cheat a little bit because he did play mainly as left midfield, but he did play left back on quite a few occasions. Um, but he was too good not to have in my team. And the only the only crime is that he's not here anymore. So it's Gary Speed. Um, yeah. You know, I've put him in from the 1980s because he played at the back end of the 80s. Um Brilliant footballer, great leap on him, incredible header of the ball, could tackle, could run, could pass, could shoot. He could literally do everything. Um, very popular with everybody. Nobody's ever had a bad word to say about him. You know, even when you do the tributes to Gary Speed now, other teams always join in. Yeah. He's just one of those blokes who just came across as a genuinely lovely, lovely man. And it's just, oh, it's just a crying shame what happened, happened. And, you know, I can remember it to this day, hearing it on the radio and just being, I felt broken because he, he was part of that four in midfield that won us the title. And it yeah. was just so, so sad. But uh, So I had to get him in the team. So I've had to slot him in at left back. 
I say from what you said, how he could have played, he could have probably played in goal and and done well. Definitely, yeah, definitely. He was he was that good, and you know, he even played in the season where we won the title. He played up front in a few games when Chapman was injured um, because we just wanted someone who could head the ball. So he yeah. went up front, and you know, that's it, that was the sort of bloke he was. And yeah, sadly missed, but uh, you know, yeah, you say about um, when you heard the news about him dying, and it it, it broke you. I'll, I can hear about you know celebrities and that, and they pass away, which is unfortunate. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, it, it doesn't really connect with me. But when Cyril Regis died a few years ago, yeah, that was sort of like, how, why, why is he gone? Because I've, yeah. I've met him at our local non-league club, and gent of a bloke, absolute diamond. And then you know, you see it on Sky Sports News that he's passed away, and it's just like, nah, this ain't right. No, it's, it's, it's terrible, isn't it? But, yeah. uh, you know, but no, so I had to get Speedo in. So, yeah, uh, definitely. So, in at left back. Right, and who's playing in between those two then? So, uh, the first one's from the 60s. Uh, you put him in as well. I've had to go big Jack Charlton. Got to be, uh, hasn't it? So many appearances for the club over such a long period of time. Um, our only World Cup winner, well, we had Norman Hunter as well, but, you know, he, he didn't actually play any games. He was just in the squad. Um, so he big still Jack, there, though. Uh, he was still there to be fair, but I, I had to put Big Jack in. He was he, he was he was too good not to put in. Never saw him play, obviously, but you know he, he had to he had to be in the centre of that defence without yeah. a doubt. And so I, I probably like yourself. I've known him more as a manager. Yeah. Um, well, just for Republic of Ireland, to be honest. But when you see him in those like 1994 World Cups, and he's even though he's not like he's not Irish himself, he still gets. As as passionate as any Irishman would. Yeah. Have you seen the documentary? No, I haven't. Um, was that really the one that was good. on BBC? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Well I worth think... watching. It's, it's a good watch because it, it's very sad as well because it shows how he sort of you know how he how he got near the end. But yeah. it's um, but you know it's, it's a brilliant watch and it shows why the Irish love him so much. I've got that many football things to watch. Oh, I just he's got the time to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, who's alongside Big Jack then? Well, I've matched you up, uh, Lucas. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Radaby. I've gone 90s for Radaby. Um, again, came over here, ironically, he came at the same time as Phil Masinga, another South African. They came at the same time. And it was always thought that Masinga was going to be the one who was actually going to be the hero and the star. But Masinga never really did it that well. And, you know, he, he actually left within a couple of years. But Radaby was just, oh, I mean, he just got better and better and better. And he was just phenomenal by the end of it he was just so good and it was only after he stopped playing you realised quite how good he was yeah um, lightning pace good in the air good tackler of the ball but yeah just yeah. quality so pace isn't something you generally associate with centre-offs is it no but I think we need it alongside Big Jack so yeah. I don't think Big Jack's going to get around too quick so I think Lucas alongside him it's the perfect combination yeah, so you got Charlton as your sort of your stopper. Yeah. And then Radaby can sort of sweep up anything. Yeah. That and it meant, get to. Keep, it meant I could keep Rio Ferdinand out of the team, which I'm supposed <laughs> to do. <laughs> if, if nothing else, no Ferdinand. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, um, right, on to the, the middle of the park then. Right, so right midfield, I've gone uh, the wee man, Gordon Strachan. Um, I've chosen the 80s because he was in at the back end of the 80s. What he done for us after coming from Man United? I mean, he, he signed when we were in the, the the championship, if you like, or the second division as it was then. 
a man at the end of his career, Ferguson had said that his time was done at Man United and he came in and he just picked that lead side up by the scruff of its neck and virtually won his promotion single-handedly and then you know, was still a massive part of the title winning side in, in 1992. He was uh, incredible, absolutely incredible player. So he's, uh, I always thought he was more of a sort of sentiment, to be honest, Strachan. We always played him wide right, always right. wide right, and he used to drift inside. That, that might uh, be why never, he would never beat. He would never beat a fullback on the outside ever, never ever. He would drift inside, but he could whip across. He could shoot, um, and he was a pest. He was an absolute pest. Um, so, but, with him being so small as well, sort of like that bitey, yeah, bitey little dog at your ankle, sort of incredible footballer. Really, really good player. So, so if he's going right side, who's taking the number eleven berth on the left? So I've gone back to the 70s, mentioned him already. My my ultimate hero, Eddie Gray, without a shadow of doubt. Um, just so good over so long a period of time. Um, he could dribble, he could shoot, he, he could do everything. And, you know, he was just such a good player. Um, and I think he's the perfect balance to Strachan. He could go past people on the left, whereas Strachan would do different things on the right. And if they really wanted to take the mick, they could swap and do different things on the other side. But uh, so Eddie Eddie Gray out wide on the left. You know, that sort of thing was like in fashion for a few years, wasn't it? Playing your, your wingers on opposite sides. Not, I'd never really got it, to be honest. But no, me neither. I'm like, what, we can't cross with that foot. Why is he that's there? That's it, yeah. <laughs> then, I don't know. That's why we're not managers, I suppose. Well, exactly that. <laughs> Ross, who's in the middle then? Middle uh, of the middle. So I've had to go to the 60s for my first central midfielder, uh, the greatest of them all, the captain of the crew, Billy Bremner, without a shadow of doubt. The, the greatest um, hard man, but I feel a bit sorry for him because he's always renowned as a hard man and a nasty little piece of work, but he was a fantastic footballer. You watch any video clips of, of that lead side in action. He was an unbelievably good footballer. Box to box midfielder, again, could score goals. He could tackle, by God, he could tackle. Um, but so he, back, he was, back then you were allowed to actually tackle well yeah there, there is that I mean I'm not sure how many games you'd see out these days um, so if VAR had been enforced then he'd have uh, <laughs> he'd have spent, spent more time looking at the monitor in, uh, you know, in the back <laughs> with the refs than he would on the pitch but that's what I miss about not just the six even back in the 90s you could still put a tackle in and, and yeah. get away with a, a fair bit I think it, it's fair to say yeah Whereas now you breathe on someone in the wrong way. Well, no, with, with COVID, you're probably not allowed to do that. It's, in, it's embarrassing um, now. Yeah. So who's alongside uh, Mr. Bremner then? Well, so it's the only one from the 2010s. Um, and it's um, El Maggio himself, Pablo Hernandez. Um, he'd done so many good things for us. He was such an influential player in that promotion season. But to any Leeds fan, if you say Pablo Hernandez, it'll be the goal at Swansea. Um, nil nil, 92 minutes on the clock. It would have meant, I think, we were only been about four points clear of you going with about three games to go. And yeah. he just produced this unbelievable bit of magic to score in that the 92nd minute. And it, deep down, we all knew that was it. When that went in, we knew we were we were going back to the big time after waiting so long for the it. Champions as well. Uh, yeah, and and that was yeah that was the the crown. But just to know really deep, we were going to have to have a sit. We were going to have to lose the last three games, and I just couldn't see us losing the last three. We were playing too well at the time, and 
Uh, so for that goal alone, he, he deserves to be in. But there were so many other moments with Pablo. He did so many great things. That's uh, the one that just sort of stands out. But yeah, you, oh. say, you say about that season, obviously, yeah, we both went up in the first yeah. and second, but we did our damnedest to try and throw it away. You did, yeah. <laughs> God, we, we couldn't even succeed at that. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> you did try hard to throw it away, to be fair. Well, didn't we just? And then we had to rely on Barnsley beating Brentford on the last... That's it, yeah. They won at Brentford, didn't they, in the last yeah. game. That's mental. Like, that's the thing you don't get with supporting someone like your Liverpools, your Chelsea's, your Man City's. You don't get the joy of a promotion chase. <laughs> they don't even get a relegation battle, do they? Nah. Mind you, nah. You, you don't so much. Us on the other hand. <laughs> it, it's almost second nature, especially in the top I'm not, flight. I'm not ruling out a relegation battle this season just yet. I think we're, I think we'll be okay, but I'm not ruling one out just yet. Just enough to get over the line. Yeah, we'll be okay. I think. So, right. So we've got nine out of your eleven. That just yeah. leaves a couple of the strikers to go for now. So we're going seventies. Um, Sniffer Clark, Alan Clark, um, penalty box poacher, um, scorer of the goal. The only time we ever won the FA Cup. Uh, in the centenary final, just scored a boatload of goals, uh, and I think he would he would have so many chances from the likes of Gray Hernandez and Strachan. He would score an absolute mountain of goals in this team. So, Alan Clark, without a shadow of doubt. Fair enough. It's not a name I'm familiar with. I'm not going to lie. Um, he's but... he's from the Midlands way because he played for Leicester for a long time. Played, okay. We signed him from Leicester, um, but he scored. I mean, he scored an amazing amount. I'd have to Google it. So many goals it was. But I won't do that now. So I'll, do it. <laughs> I'll do it yeah. afterwards. I was going to say, it's over a, 100. A Google search. Probably not the, bre- the best for continuity, is it really? No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, who's partnering Clark then? So this is a man who divided opinion between a lot of Leeds fans. But for me, one of the best strikers I've ever seen at the club, uh, hands down. Um, the year, most common used, the thing you used to hear about him was, for God's sake, run. Uh, for God's sake, <laughs> chase this down or do that. But Mark Viduka, unbelievable footballer. One of the greatest strikers I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing live. Um, he could do everything. He could head it. He could hold it up. He could finish. He could shoot long range. He could shoot short range. He could chip. He was just incredible. But he just had an air of laziness about him. Yeah. And it was just his demeanour. But... Boy, what a what I would do to have him up front in this team right now for the Leeds because he oh he'd have a field day. So once he got the ball at his feet, that's when he sort of came oh, alive. He's, but the, the the ironic the, the game the most famous game when they, we beat Liverpool four three when he scored all four. We were two 0 down in that game, and I'll never forget the bloke behind me screaming at Baduka, telling him to effing run. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, and within about ten minutes, he'd scored two. And I just remember the guy in front of me turning around to this bloke and saying, look, is that you happy now? And he's like, oh, he's lazy. Oh, he's shit. Oh. <laughs> and like, you know, an hour later, he scored all four. and could have had five, ironically. He missed the easiest one. But, That's uh, always a way, isn't it? Yeah, but no, unbelievable footballer. That's far nice. too far too good. <laughs> That's, uh, looking at that now, That I reckon if you match those two teams up, that'd be a hell of a game, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. I think we could do Ian Hart for pace. I think that's where Hart, that's the yeah. only reason I didn't pick Hart because his pace, he had no pace and he always, he always got done down the wing by the quick wingers. And so I left though, him out. I'd get, get Billy Sharp down the side of Jack Charlton. 
Yeah. Free kick territory. <laughs> in comes Ian Hart. Thank you very much. It'd be like 7-7 seven, seven or something daft like that, wouldn't it? Probably. <laughs> or from set pieces or something. But um, so have you got a manager? Oh, this is this was the worst bit. So when you've got Don Revy, Howard Wilkinson, and Marcelo Bielsa, it's very, very hard to split them up. So Revy built the club up from next to nothing. We were an average second division side who never did anything. And he built them up to being one of the best sides in Europe. Wilkinson took us from a side who just escaped relegation in the championship to winning the league title three years later. And Bielsa, who took over a side who finished mid-table in the championship and romped through the division two years later with virtually the same players uh, and then did similar in the Premier League last season in the first season back. So it was so difficult. Um, So I've gone director of football, Ah. Manager and assistant manager. Okay. <laughs> just I had to, to, just to accommodate the, the three. I had to get them all in. So I've gone Wilco as director of football, how Wilkinson. He could spot a player and he was very good with the um with the youth teams. So he could run oversee the academies as well. So I've gone Howard Wilkinson as director of football. I've gone Don Revy as manager because I think that was his, you know, his thing was man management. That's what he was all about. He was very good at that. Whereas Bielsa isn't really about that. And I'll go and Bielsa as assistant manager stroke coach, which is obviously his forte. And I think I think Bielsa and Revy might come to might come to blows. I was gonna say that's a couple of massive personalities you've got yeah. there, isn't there? I I'm not sure how well it would pan out, but but I couldn't I couldn't not have all three of them. So I had to try and come up with a way to get them all in. You'd probably have the little fella who translates for Bielsa sort of trying to get in between them. So, no, He'd just be like, he would just <laughs> yeah. be like that, wouldn't he? He'd be like, you know what? I'll just let him get on with it. Just lads, go and sort it out between yourselves. Come back when you're finished and, and then we'll talk. But yeah, but yeah so um, I, had to, I had to squeeze all three in. Yeah. Revy, I mean, you probably won't thank me for mentioning this, but he was in charge when we scored against you, the the, the one that was allegedly offside, but wasn't. <laughs> just, the, just the 10 yards. <laughs> no, see, Bomber chased his own ball. So, and he was in his own half to start with anyway. But yeah, um, yeah, I can't imagine that went down well at the time. No, <laughs> at least of all with uh, at least of all with Revy, but no, there's, there's a, haven't you got a stand named after him? At Ellen yes, Road? yeah, yeah one of the stands is named after yeah. him. He's got a statue outside as well. And he did, I mean, what he did was phenomenal. I mean, he completely transformed the club and changed our colours because we used to play in blue and yellow. Um, and he decided he wanted us to be like Real Madrid because he wanted to be one of the best in Europe. Okay. And, and they're all white, and that, um, that just came from that. Yeah, literally from that. That's that's oh, where it okay. came. We used to play in blue shirts with with like a yellow collar. I didn't realise that. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. Revy changed that. He said, "I want is an all white. I want people to fear us like they do Real Madrid." And that's that's how it came about. Yorkshire Galacticos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you say you've done a bench as well? Yeah. So I got you five subs. So I'll, I'll do it in the uh, through the decades. Might be easier. So from the sixties, I've gone John Charles. I mean, it's scary that I've not got him in, but I've got to be honest, I've not seen him play, not really seen any video footage of him, but the talk was that he was one of the greatest of all time. He got a move to Juventus, so he must have been fairly decent. He could play as a centre-back or a centre-forward, so I've had to put John Charles on the bench because purely because I hadn't ever seen anything of him, really, but I think as a a name, he deserved to be in the squad, so he's on the bench. From Leeds Folklore. Yeah, uh, 70s. This was the most controversial one that I left out, which was Peter Lorimer, um, record goal scorer. But 
I just couldn't, no matter what era I tried to use him, I couldn't justify putting him ahead of Strachan because I just think what Strachan did was just so massive. Yeah. And because it was so personal to me, Strachan, because we won the league in, in that lifetime that I put him in ahead of Lorimer. So Lorimer from the uh, from the 70s. Uh, from the 80s, I went Paul Maidley. Uh, so famously played in every single position for Leeds apart from goalkeeper. Um, so perfect sub. Um, could literally play anywhere on the pitch, um, and a real massive part of that team of the seventies that that won that done so well because he he could slot in anywhere. He was your nineteen seventy Stuart Dallas, so he was a pr- proper utility player, oh, li- literally massively. Yeah, nineties um, John Lukic because we needed a keeper, and um, yeah, Lukic was part of that title winning side. The only thing that knackered Lukic was when they uh, took away the pass back rule. Because he couldn't kick, his his off the floor play was terrible. So that that finished him really. And so that's the uh, thing now. You see, keepers are almost have to be as good with the ball at the feet now as the outfield players do, don't they? Yeah, and and I, I would go as far to say I don't think he would have made it at the top now because he just was no good with the ball at his feet. So which is it's quite sad really because he was a great yeah. shot stopper. <laughs> Unless your keeper doesn't see the ball coming. Well, from a pass, there is from a pass that. back. <laughs> which oh, I'm pretty sure you remember that from last season. Yes. As one of our many batterings. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you, and then you, I was going to say, you two... did us a couple of times, didn't you? The consecutive seasons. Was yeah. The well, the, I mean, the, the one the year before Ellen Rose, when we scored after about 16 seconds, didn't we? Yeah. I remember I, that one. And I remember this clear as that. I'd got the radio on. I was going to the chippy to get tea. And I'd got, got in the car turned it on and it was literally as you scored the goal and I was like I looked at me watch hang on we've only just kicked off <laughs> I was like what the hell's going on here I was like sort your shit out lads come on and then it just went down didn't you go was it 4-0 to start with and then we got yeah, one we back were, we right at the pumped, end we were pumped up that night massively yeah. it was a it was we were very very up for it that was, was that, a, to be fair that was as good as we played that season and did we beat you like at our place I think earlier in the season yeah you'd done us 4-1 when yeah. we had uh Bailey, Peacock, Farrell in goal. The less said, the better. <laughs> Never mind, eh? But yeah. Ultimately, we both had a season in the Prem. Uh, yeah. You know, it's all good. We, we, we'll have our season again, I don't know, at some point soon, who knows? But, but... <laughs> uh, my last sub from yes, 2000s, sorry. David Batty. Just because I love David Batty. Very underrated footballer. Won two Premier League titles with two different clubs. Uh, although ours wasn't a Premier League, it was just top flight, but, you know. Still two, top flight, Two top it, yeah. flight titles. With two different clubs, uh, done a good job wherever he was. Played for us in the eighties, nineties, two thousands. Top player, top player, and famously can't stand football, hates it. Random, isn't it, for someone who's uh, who does <laughs> it as a for a job? Never goes to watch it. Nothing. So you can't imagine him loading up football manager, then, can you? Nah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, not. Unfortunately, he's going to be remembered by a lot of people for that penalty miss against Argentina, isn't he? Probably, yeah. I think that's the, the, the sad thing from his side of things. But yeah, as, as a Leeds fan, he'll always be, he always gets, I mean, he very rarely comes back to Ellen Road. He came back on the Speedo tribute yeah. and he came back for the centenary last year, but he very rarely comes back. So he's, uh, he's, a, he's a strange character, by all accounts. So yeah, he, where did he go to? At New, I suppose at Newcastle as well? Yeah, yeah, Blackburn, Newcastle. Yeah. Um, and then just, just came back to us and then just stopped. Just said, nah, I've had enough. 
That's it. Not enough for football. Thank yeah. you. Good night. God bless. <laughs> That's, right. yeah, that's it. <laughs> Just grabs his coat on the way out. Yeah, see you lads. I'm done. It's like, yeah, that's on. pretty pretty much it. Yeah, David's gone then. Well, fair enough. See ya. <laughs> uh, um, as far as all the things I've had to ask you for for all this, that, that's pretty much drawn a line under it now. Um, do you want to let us know where anyone can find you? Sort of uh, socials. Where you can find your YouTube show. Yeah, so um, if you search out Beat the First Man on YouTube, you'll, you'll always find it. The show goes out every Thursday night, goes online at eight o'clock. Uh, a mixture of some attempted comedy, some little quirky football bits and musicians. Um, you'll find us on Twitter. It's at Beat First MA2 because someone else had stolen Beat First Man, which was quite annoying. Inconsiderate uh, <laughs> We're on uh, Facebook at Beat the First Man, Instagram, Beat the First Man. There's all sorts of, there's something for everyone. I think yeah. it's, you know, so it's, a, it's a good all round egg. That's it. I mean, having, I, mean, I haven't seen all of them. Yeah, you know, no. I'll freely admit that. But from ones that I have seen, it's well worth a watch for anyone who's not, not familiar with your show, but has listened to this. Yeah. And just fancy something a little bit different. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't want to take things too seriously, oh, that's your show. To be fair, I think that's why you've come on here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, all that's left for me to say is, Reedy, um, I appreciate you taking the, the time to join us and, and good luck with Beat the First Man going forward. Thank you so much. And I look awesome. forward to it. I look forward to hearing the show when it goes out. Yes, I will keep you posted. So uh, yeah, anyway, nice and ready. Cheers. Take care. Take care. See you later. Uh, again, for this episode, I've composed the poem um, relating to Leeds. Here it goes. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's called The Class of 91-92. Before being called the Premier League when the top flight was Division 1, United from Leeds were top of the pile. The first time there for a little while. Championship title number three. A feat not seen around there since the 70s. The Ellen Road boys and 21 others battled it out for the top spot in time for the summer. Under the leadership of Howard Wilkinson, Leeds would see some new faces. Dorigo, Newsom, Wallace and Wallace, all pushing for first-team places. Five wins and five draws before the first defeat away to Palace. That was at the start of October. Surely they meant no malice. It wasn't till February that Leeds suffered any more losses. This time at Oldham, the Owls were the bosses. By this time, a Frenchman had joined up. Another option to have up top. Come March the 11th at Loftus Road, QPR, the victors. Would the chance of the title start to erode? Off the back of that was the Wombles up next. 5-1 to United, back to their best. One goal in the next three against Arsenal, a score draw. Then versus West Ham and Man City, there were no more. Goalless at home to the team in Claret, onto Main Road, 4-0, Leeds got battered. For the next five, maximum points come from four. The other against Liverpool, another board draw. The season concluded at home to Norwich. Rod Wallace with the goal. Leeds had what they wanted. The final champions of the first division. To be up there again is surely the mission. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the podcast. I massively appreciate it. Um, if you want to see Luke Williamson's artwork, you can do so at lukewilliamsonart.com. 
uh, for a 10% discount off any artwork at the checkout if you enter the code PROJFOOT10. That's P-R-O-J-F-O-O-T-1-0. That'll get you uh, 10% off at the checkout. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do so via email at projfoot at gmail.com, uh, Twitter at proj underscore foot, uh, Instagram at Project Football Podcast, and Facebook at facebook.com slash projectfootball. And there's also going to be links for Reedy's show um, and Football for Brains, which you can find for sale on eBay, and they'll be on the link to their Twitter as well. Once again, thank you very much for listening. We've now reached full time. Goodbye and take care. <laughs>